0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, into the ages of all ages, Amen. We're starting a new series called Seeing Red, how to transform or channel your anger into God's living power. I'm going to start off with a couple of stories just because I want you to know that I'm in this with you. All of us, uh, everybody has, you know, sort of uh, like uh, maybe like a a weakness or something which is kind of doesn't come easily to them or whatever. And mine is anger. And so I'm really speaking here from from personal experience. Um, And uh, to convince you of that, I'm going to share with you a story of from when I was uh, in my uh, early 20s, uh, I was coaching uh, a boys' basketball team, a church boys' basketball team, 14 to 20-year-old boys. You can imagine what coaching 14 to 20-year-old boys is like, right? I mean, they don't, they don't, do, they don't do anything. In fact, I didn't want to coach them. They were losing. Um, and they, they, they were such a terrible group of boys half of them are priests now, but that's an, a story besides the point, um, that, 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 that their coach quit. Their coach said, I can't take you guys anymore. It was mid-season. I was friends with half of them. And so they said, can you please coach us? I'm like, never, ever, no way, never going to do it. And they strong-armed me into doing it because they, they really they really wanted to finish the season, so they had to have a coach to be responsible for their team, blah, blah, blah. So I coached them. I remember... I remember at one point, they, these guys wouldn't do anything I would tell them to do. It was, it was painful. It was like pulling teeth to coach these guys. And in one of the practices, one of the centers, this guy's like six foot four, you know, huge, huge guy, all muscle, 18 year old guy, right? And I tell him to do something, and he just looks at me and he says no. And I just went into a rage. I literally, two years prior, had been, I had been doing jiu-jitsu, um, so I know how to take somebody. So I just jumped him and took him down, and I was throttling his neck. He turned blue, took the whole team to get me off of him. And if they hadn't, I probably would have killed him with no remorse whatsoever. The guy's face was blue, you know, the rage that came over me in that moment. I've, I've, my father of confession has heard all of these stories, by the way, you know, and uh, he prefers to hear my confessions over the phone. I don't know why. <laughs> just kidding. Another time later on, you would have think I would have learned that I have a problem, right? But uh, later on, this is now probably I'm in my mid-20s now, and uh, I lived in another town. I lived in, I lived in Vancouver, and I was driving to St. George's Church, uh, St. George Coptic Orthodox Church in Surrey. Just outside Vancouver, and it's just after the Portman Bridge. And um, it's, I lived in Vancouver, it's about a 40 minute drive or so, and, and so 35 minute drive. And so I'm driving there, and, and somebody cuts me off, right? And I, the road rage just gets the better of me, right? And so the whole way to the bridge, he's cutting me off, I'm cutting him off, he's cutting me off. And by this time, I'm ready to kill whoever the driver I don't care who it is, they are gonna die, right? Um, Finally, we get off the bridge. You get off the bridge. It's the first exit after the bridge is, is the exit to the church. The irony is that I'm driving to Vespers, right? Because that's the, the big irony, right? So I'm Saturday night, and I'm driving to Vespers. So I take the exit. Who comes in right behind me, the car that was like, that was irritating me the whole way, right? And I am fuming. I've gone nuts. There's a lot of petty crime in Vancouver, and so, uh, it's strongly advisable for people to get a club, you know, like the a steering wheel lock, right? So I get to the exit. It was a red light. You know, I put my car in park, I took the club out and I got out of the car and I'm looking for the guy. He rolls up his window and he starts reversing back up the exit. You know, I don't know what I was gonna do. I don't what was I gonna do? Was I gonna smash his window? Was I gonna club his head in? I don't have no idea. There's I don't know what was going through. Nothing was going through my mind. No human being thinks and does those actions, right? But this is to tell you like, you know, we're all we're all given. Tanger, and you might think to yourself, oh my goodness, this is, this is, I've never been that angry, and so on. That's true, you probably haven't. I know a lot of you, uh, not everybody, and uh, those of you I don't know, I'd love to get to know you. You're all probably, all the people I know here are far better people than me, and I can't imagine any of you uh, getting into a rage like that, but these are true stories, you know, from the the, the confessions of St. Augustine, well, there's the confessions of John Boutros, and there's many more colorful stories in there as well right and so sometimes an anger or rage takes over us but we're talking today today specifically we're talking about the faces of anger that is what the that is what the early church fathers or the desert fathers would call rage um or outbursts of wrath you'll find saint paul mentions outbursts of wrath but there's also anger straight up regular anger there's an anger that you hold inside there's an irritation with other people some other people you just they just irritate you, you know, they just get on your nerves, you, you know, you just, you see them, and you're like, oh, not again, right? There's, there's some things that you just find annoying, you know, and it doesn't have to be like a murderous anger, but maybe it's just like the, 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 the that pebble that got into your shoe, you know, there's a famous saying, I don't know who said it, I've looked it up and I can't seem to find out who said this saying. There's a famous saying that says, it's not the giant who stands before you that will, that will stop you along the way. It's the grain of sand that is rubbing in your shoe. You know, those irritations, those daily irritations, annoyance, frustration, it's all the same. From a spiritual perspective... A spiritual diagnostic perspective it's all the same it's all in the same category and that's what we're talking about today so let's get a definition for this for this broad umbrella that we're calling anger okay it's just a big broad umbrella let's call it let's call let's put up a definition together okay it's it's, let's call it an intense emotional reaction to something that stands in the way of you doing or getting what you want. How does that sound? It's an intense emotional reaction. It's almost a reflex reaction. It's unpleasant. We can throw that in the, in the, in the, um, in, in the definition, right? Towards something which stands in the way, which gets in the way of you getting what you want. Well, where does anger come from? Anger actually comes from God. God gets angry too. God gets angry a little differently than I get angry. Just a little bit. But we'll talk about that, right? And so God having created us in his image and likeness, he's created us just like him, you know, like a straight up photocopy. So, you know, God can get angry. So guess what? We can get angry too. So why would God have given us this capacity which is so powerful and potentially so destructive. Why would he have given us like a loaded machine gun, you know, when we're still immature, when we're still in the infancy of, of, of our spirituality? Why would he give us such a such a deadly weapon as anger? Well, something stands between you and what you hold dear. And so you this this reflex, intense, unpleasant reaction bursts out of you to eliminate the obstacle between you and what you hold dear. Now, what would God wish for us to hold dear, so dear that if something came between you and it, you would eliminate it immediately? What could possibly be so precious that it would not be worth hesitating for a single second that it needs to be the the reaction needs to be a reflex it needs to be something that is does there's no thinking involved and you would and you would immediately react with this murderous energy this this strong outgoing positive murderous energy to eliminate it right away why would God give us that power? What, what is it that we're, 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 we're trying to get to that we can't, we can't risk? Even the slightest thing getting between us and it. It's communion with God. That's what God wants for us. That's what he, that's, it's the relationship with him. You could just say God. And so when something comes in between, we want to remove that obstacle immediately. We don't want to hesitate. We don't want to stop. We don't want to think. We don't want to deliberate. We want to. And that's what the fathers teach us about temptation. They say as soon as you spot temptation, run the opposite direction. As soon as you don't, don't pause. Don't think. Don't ask. Don't deliberate. As soon as you spot temptation, run the other direction. Go. Don't pause for a second. If you enter into conversation with the demons, they'll do you in. They'll do you in. They are masters of rhetoric. They, you think I preach all right? They, 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 they could convince you. They could sell snow to Eskimos, or how does the, how does the saying go? You know, right? They... Once you open the conversation, you're doomed. You know, there's no way you're going to get yourself out of this. Right? That's what they teach us. Right? Imagine this. Okay, let's, 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 let's think about this for a second. Imagine if Eve was filled with holy anger in the paradise of Eden. Now, whether you believe Adam and Eve are real or mythological and, and so on is beyond the point of course, I believe they're real, but that's, we could discuss that some other time. Look past that for a moment, okay? And ask yourself, if Eve was filled with this murderous anger at the moment she recognized that the serpent was telling her to do something that God would, would, could, could, could ruin her communion with God, if Eve knew the mess that we're all in now because of the fall, right? And that would have filled her with holy anger. What would she have done? Murdered the serpent? Uh, Suppose she's not allowed to do that. There was no death in the Garden of Eden, so she couldn't have murdered the serpent. Okay, what would she have done? Cut down the tree? Maybe God doesn't want him to cut down the tree. Maybe they're not allowed to do that. What would she have done? She would have built a brick wall, barricaded this tree in with a wall so high, nobody could ever look at it. Right? I want to cut this tree off. I want to remove it. I want to block it on on social media. It's dead to me. It's gone. Have we said those things? The question here is, who is the subject of those things we're saying? When it becomes our fellow man, it becomes sin. When it becomes our fellow man, we want to murder our fellow man. We want to murder. We want to eliminate. We want to remove, we want to kill, we want to bring, not out of existence, a non-existence. We want to bring this this into non-existence, the creation of God, not just the creation of God, but his self-portrait. Our fellow man. We're going to talk more about that next week, how anger is murder but not just murder, but self-murder. And we'll talk all about that next week, so we're not going to go deeper into that now. So God gave us this intense, reflex, displeasurable reaction towards an obstacle so that we could ensure that nothing could come between us and what we hold dear. But what is it that we should hold dear above all else? Union with God. The connection with God you ever been on a really important phone call you know and you've been on hold for like two and a half hours and you're trying to reschedule flights during covid right it was like right and're and, you're, and you're, you''re you're trying to reschedule this flight or whatever and 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 you're on hold you 've been on hold for two and a half hours and then you know the the call comes, you know, they, they, they answer you and this and that. And then, you know, you hear a buzz on your phone while you're looking and right. And then you've got like 1% left, right? What happens? You start running around the house like a crazy person trying to find something to plug your phone in. Why? Because if your phone dies, you're doing, doing this all over again, right? You don't want to lose the connection because it's precious to you. The connection with God. Our common vernacular, the common vocabulary we would use is connection with God. The church, the word the church uses, and it's full of so much more richness and depth. But to mean the same thing is our communion with God. You know, your phone has the little signal bars on it. How good is the signal? How many bars you got with your your connection? Can you hear clearly what God is saying or is there static? What's causing the static? That's that should, that's what righteous anger looks like. To eliminate the static, to m- allow me murder the static, the stuff that's coming between me and God. The sin, the temptation, the passions, the evil habits, and so on. But that's not that's not that's not our anger, right? <laughs> It's not my anger, let's be honest. My anger is focused on, largely, 80% of the time people, 20% of the time stuff. My anger is not a righteous anger. My anger is a personal anger directed towards a person or a thing. And thus, God is working to recreate the world through his only begotten Son, And I, through my anger, am working to destroy it. Well, that's why it's a sin, right? That's why it falls apart. And anger has all kinds of different faces, like we said. It doesn't have to be the murderous rage that I described to you at the beginning. But it could be irritation, frustration, any time I look to any of God's creation, specifically my fellow man, with eyes that are different than my father's, something is fishy. So ask yourself, and ask, and ask me, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? I used to get so angry. I actually, I actually went to go see a therapist because I, I, had, a, I, I had a trigger we identified a trigger at home that if my wife at that time only had one daughter would say or do this thing, my reaction would be so much greater than that thing. So I wanted to know. I wanted to know why. Why do I do that? And uh, I, I, had a, I only had one session, but it was a wonderful, wonderful session that really opened my eyes to an anger that had been in my life for a long time and all I needed to do was to go back to that and let it go. And once I did, once I did, I didn't have that trigger point anymore. It was gone. Before I, before I had gotten some help with that, I I was in confession and I was confessing anger. And um, my spiritual father asked me, why'd you get angry? So I told him the story. And he told me, he kind of just said like, so what? Like it's not a big deal. I told him, Abuna, like everybody, every human being deserves a minimum of respect, like a minimum of decency. A, 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 a minimum, you know, of, of just human respect. He said, I suppose. and went quiet. Sounded like he was going to say something. He would do that. He would go quiet. And, and, and I think over time I realized what he was doing. He was trying, praying, and trying to figure out, if I, can, you know, can John take it? Like, can I tell him the truth? Can he take it? Or is he, is it, is it gonna, is, are my words going to be more harmful than helpful? He paused, he was quiet for a minute, and so I didn't say anything because I felt like he was going to say something. Then he repeated himself. He said, I suppose, but I thought you were Christian. I'm like I am. He said, oh, but it looks like you still want to hold on to some right of a minimum amount of dignity and human respect. I said, yes, like a yes. Abun, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He said to me, okay, but then you're not a Christian. I'm like, what do you mean? He said to me, well, isn't the call of Christianity to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus? Isn't that like the call? Like that's, that's what happens before you become a Christian. And then you continue doing that throughout. I said, yes, I don't see the point. He says, aren't you holding on? You're holding on to your rights. You can have your rights, no problem. Hold on to your rights. But then you can't be a Christian. You can't deny yourself and be holding on to what you deem yours at the same time. And I left with a lot to think about. He said to me, what about Jesus? Did he hold on to his rights? St. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, he says to us, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Specifically, there's this part which sounds a little funny, like a little, the words aren't the ones we would use in our common speech. He says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. What mind is that, St. Paul? Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, and coming in the likeness of men. Like Jesus didn't hold on to his rights to be God. He is God, but he didn't hold on to his rights. When Jesus was spat upon and slapped in the face, He didn't turn his face and look back at the soldier and say, do you know who I am? I'm God. You dare to slap God in the face? He didn't do that. When they were banging the nails in his wrists, hanging him high above the the world to be seen by all, naked, humiliated, ashamed in front of the whole world, he didn't hold on to his rights. He willingly gave up his rights. He willingly gave them up. Just a little asterisk here. OK, just a little a footnote. This is not a, a, a reason to perpetuate abuse. This is not what I'm talking about is not a, re- a reason to um, uh, 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 change the laws or, 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 or not uphold, you know, the, the civil laws of society and so on. Society would come crashing down. I'm talking about our interpersonal relationships, right? I'm talking about you go to the, you know, you, you open the fridge, right? Has this happened in anybody's house? Maybe it only happens in ours, right? You open the fridge and you're about to put milk in your coffee and there's nothing left. The carton's still in the, in the fridge, but there's... And you're like, ah! Right? Or you ate great food for dinner last night and you were really hoping to have some of, it, some of the leftovers for lunch today. And you open the fridge and it's gone, Right? Not, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about domestic violence. I'm not talking about your civil rights if somebody vandalizes your house or this or that. Let's talk about those things in spiritual guidance. They're a little bit more complex. I'm talking about our interpersonal relationships here. My right to the leftovers. My right to, my right to the last bit of milk. I was going to put the last bit of milk on my coffee. How come somebody else put it on their coffee? You think about it, right? Somebody was going to use the last drop of milk, right? But it was my last drop of milk. It was my leftovers that somebody ate. It was my, that guy cut me off in my lane with road rage and so on. There's this possessiveness. There's this possessiveness of things. And when somebody touches my stuff, because the milk had my name on it, right? The leftovers had my name on them, right? Sometimes they do when you have roommates and they still eat your stuff. If you've ever had male roommates, right? Um, You know, and he has your name with a Sharpie on it, but it still seems to disappear somehow, right? And with road rage, I love that, right? Like the MTO, the Ministry of Transportation of Ontario, has gifted me this lane, right? Everybody knows this is my lane. How dare this person come into my lane, right? Jesus didn't have a lane. He didn't have leftovers. He didn't have the last spot of milk. He gave it up. He gave it up. He gave it all up. He gave it all up for you and for me. And he's calling us to do the same. So we find here, to sum up a little bit, okay, and get to a solution, you know, the solution is to be like Jesus. How am I different? If you allow me, I'm going to use a word that the fathers don't use, but I'm going to use it because it sums it up very well. Anger is rooted in a sense of entitlement. There's something I feel entitled to. When something comes in the way of me and the thing I feel entitled to, I want to murder that thing. I want to cancel it. I want to cut it out. I want to get rid of it. I want to block it. I want to remove it. I want to cut it out of my life. Right? And so, and it's a, re- it's a reflex. It's like a reflex reaction. And it comes from entitlement. Entitlement. This is mine. 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 And how dare you touch my stuff? How dare you is what's going on in my head. The other root, the other side of the coin of entitlement is hurt. It's, it's a form of entitlement, but th- th- we won't get into that, right? The other, the other common cause of anger is hurt. It's past hurts that we're still holding onto this person didn't respect me this person was rude to me this person this this i didn't get the promotion i this i that and and i was and my hurt i'm hurt my ego is hurt and i'm holding on to the hurt we've done a a, a five-part series already about forgiveness and that it's all about just letting the hurt go let it go let it go And the solution for this entitlement that we all have, I have anyways, is to just let it go. Somebody had the last spot of milk. Didn't have your name on it, John. You know, you're not the cow that produced the milk. If it belonged to anybody, it belonged to some poor cow that we stole it from, right? Wasn't yours. Wasn't yours, right? Just let it go. Let it go. And this letting go is not an action or a thought. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of living life with an open hand. Whether it has to do with stuff or people or past hurts. Let it go. Just let it go. Just open your hand. Whatever comes into it is from God. And whatever is removed, taken out of it is from God. It's okay. Let it go. And that's exactly how Jesus lived. He lived life with an open hand. He accepted everybody with open arms. And when they left, he let them go. Pet, which is small. We have hamsters these days, as if we didn't have enough to do with three young children. So we got hamsters to as well, right? You know, they're really cute and they're fuzzy and so, but they're so small. You have to be very gentle with them. And if you hold them too tight, it's going to happen to the hamster.
1: It's not going to run on the wheel anymore. Right? You won't say the word. But, you know, right? People who are meant to be held with an open hand, right? they come and they go. Sometimes they go by their own will. Sometimes they go because that's God's will for them. Sometimes God takes them from us. But in any event, they're only here for a period of time, and then they're gonna go. So hold them with an open hand. Hold them with a gracious hand. Hold them like Jesus did, without a sense of entitlement. The promotion that you didn't get wasn't yours. You worked towards it. You worked hard and you did good.
0: And you should be proud of yourself but it was given to somebody, but it wasn't yours. It was a process to decide whose
1: it's going to be. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But the sooner you open your hand and you just let it go, the sooner you start to heal from the hurt. So just let it go. So my advice for myself and for you is every time you get angry, ask yourself, what do I feel entitled? What's going on here? Take a step back. Ask yourself, okay, John, what's going on? I'm really angry. Okay, why are you angry, John? Because I didn't get this Well, so you feel entitled to that. Is it right that you feel entitled to that? Right? Let us make a commitment today that you and I, from this day forward, let's make a commitment that we're not going to be angry, entitled, people. anymore. Forgive me, I, I, I welcome you, you into my pig pen, okay? I wel- welcome you into my pigsty of anger and, and entitlement. I don't want to be an angry, entitled person anymore. I want to recognize the moments in which I feel entitled to something and I let it go. In fact, the more I let it go, like anything else, the more I become conditioned to let things go, the easier it becomes for me to let things go. And so the fathers teach us that there's a couple, a couple of things that work really, really, really well to heal us of anger. If I would have said them to you at the beginning, you told me I'm angry and I would have told you to do this, you would have said, what's the relationship, right? The first one is almsgiving. Why almsgiving? To give of yourself. Money or time and effort and energy, but to give of yourself. Give what is precious to you. Don't give your left Give what is precious to you, to the poor. Why does it help? Because it teaches us to give it away. This, this is so precious to me. Okay, let me give it to someone. So I'm not entitled to it. I'm not holding it. doesn't have a hold on me. I'm able to let it go. To let it go, let go of the entitlement. The next one is to accept all things with contempt. Let's make a uh, uh, um, uh, commitment today, you and I, that for this week, here you're do this forever, I hope we'll go forever, but let's not overburden you. For this week, we're going to try to accept whatever comes our way, to just accept it. Content and say, "That's fine. I accept it from your hand." Naked I came into this world. Naked I will go out," says Joseph. From your hand Lord, I receive. Right? Imagine what a day in your life would look like if you accepted all things content and held on to nothing all. Okay, imagine what your home would look like. Everybody else in your home did that as well. Imagine what your office would look like if you did that. Imagine if a whole community of people lived that way. With contentment and accepting all things, without any sense of entitlement. Our on earth. Our prayers and Lord's Prayer every time. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here it is. Glory be to God forever and